Coming up on the Locked On Ole Miss podcast, we talk about Chris Kiffin's decision to move back to the NFL. It's not all that surprising. Um, stick around for that. And Tom Vanderford giving his perspective on Ole Miss sports and, and specifically football. This is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome to the show. Um, this is the Lockdown Ole Miss Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Willis. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for making the Lockdown Ole Miss Podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Do us a favor and hit subscribe, hit the bell, and give the video an upvote. We would appreciate it. Thank you very much for that. On today's show, we're going to talk about Chris Kiffin to the Cleveland Browns and why that is happening. Um, we're going, we've talked about it with Tom Vanderford. Whenever his segment comes up, a little bit about the Chris Kiffin um, to Cleveland situation. And let's talk about it right now um, and see kind of what's going on with it. Chris Kiffin is going back to the Cleveland Browns a month after the taken Ole Miss job. Why? Why is he doing that? And the answer is recruiting. Now, understand this. Whenever you're a young up-and-coming coach and you are paying your dues, recruiting is a part of the job. And it doesn't matter if you can make your bones on it or not. It's a part of the job. And if you can make a name recruiting like Chris Kiffin did, it helps you accelerate your career path at the college game. It just does. After his show calls... Um, while he was at FAU at 2017 for the Laramie Tunsil stuff, he went to the San Francisco 49ers and learned and got in the system in the NFL. And he was able to just coach ball, just figure out, be a scheme head, be an X and O junkie, and things like that, and not have to worry about recruiting. And I bet you it's amazing how much position coaches have an easier job when they get to the NFL. I mean, it just is what it is. And it's because of no recruiting. Because if you think about recruiting, understand this. You come into the recruiting game from the NFL, and part of your job is cold calling 15- and 16-year-olds. Now, you don't know what a 15- and 16-year-old is going to say. You don't know if they're interested. It's a true cold call to, fight, to gauge interest. If that happens, you build a relationship over time. You basically um, become friends with these kids. It's a headache for position coaches. It's an absolute headache for them. And some people, when you come back, and by the way, you can never come back. There's no such thing going back. Um, college fans are so reactive, and they're so about trying to put the tooth toothpaste back in the tube and trying to recreate the magic they had before. It never works. Ole Miss hired John Vault in 1973. Did not work. Wesley McGriff, after 2012, did not work. So quit trying to recreate magic that happened and always attack magic in a new way. You want to create something new to happen. It doesn't matter if they're there. They don't. doesn't matter if you had success doing it that way. Find somebody that can do it his way. And that's the secret because you end up getting in a three-year death cycle of firing coaches trying to recreate magic in the past. Ole Miss did that after John Vault with Ken Cooper and Steve Sloan and even Billy Brewer with the, 
brought a little bit of bowl magic, but it took the mid-90s for Ole Miss to kind of turn the corner and take that next step to where they were perennially a 6-7-8 win team. You can't recreate magic. So when Chris Kiffin coming back and everybody was excited about that, including me, honestly, I like Chris. Chris was a GA whenever um, I was at Ole Miss and on staff. Um, him and Grant Hurd, actually. So a lot of Hugh Freeze's um, staff that he came to Ole Miss with included those GAs and stuff when he moved to Arkansas State. So it's hard to recreate that magic. Also, recruiting is a bear. And it's changed even in the last five years. NIL has changed the game in recruiting. So when you make your bones recruiting and you have to do it over and over again, the NFL starts looking good over and over. Because the X and O's guys in college, they're analysts. That's what they do. It's for X's and O's walks. It's gotten to the point where the on-field coaches where you can um, recruit, that's what they do. They hire recruiters in those positions as best they can. Heck, Ole Miss is in a situation to where nine of the ten are just recruiters. And the one that's not considered a recruiter is Chris Partridge, who's a recruiter. So it is what it is, but understand that it is very difficult for these guys coaching ball from the NFL going to college and starting to pick up that recruiting thing. Now, a little bit later, we're going to talk about what's next and how do we look at that. And we're going to talk about the Super Bowl a little bit. Um, because this weekend is the Super Bowl. It should be a lot of fun for that. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs right to the big game this weekend. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, USC, along with real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, so we've talked about Chris Kiffin in the NFL and him going back and why he would do it. And we, we, we spent five minutes talking about that. And my general rule is not to talk about people that aren't at Ole Miss. I don't really care about missed opportunities of what you didn't get. I care about what you have. And what are we going to have? And I just severely trust Lane Kiffin when it comes to hiring. I do. Anyway, before we get started, it's Super Week brought to you by Get Upside, and there's no better place to get coverage of the big game other than Locked On NFL Podcast. Locked On Bengals and Locked On Rams are in L.A. all week covering the big game. So, I have no even waning confidence in Lane Kiffin being able to hire a coach. He's going to be able to hire a coach. He's going to be able to get a co-defensive coordinator that's probably in pretty good shape to run what he wants to run. Now, what I would do, you're committed to this 3-2-6. They've done that over the last two years. They've recruited to it. They implemented the screen scheme last year. They recruited to it in the offseason. They brought transfers in the offseason. So this is my idea. Find somebody that is somewhat in that tree and bring them in as your co-offensive or co-defensive coordinator. 
let them be the number two behind Chris Partridge. After Chris Partridge moves on uh, and takes a head job somewhere or gets another thing, you can promote that guy to run your system because that's what they're doing right now with these co-defensive coordinators and co-offensive coordinators, by the way. There's a number one and a number two. And the number one is actually calling it and doing what he's supposed to do. The number two is training and basically mentoring so whenever that guy leaves, they can just move him up. That's how that works. That's John David Baker. That is um, everything that goes on with that offense is going to be about a mentoring position where you basically intern um, and take over whenever you need to take over. It's about secession or succession, I should say. So understand that. It's, it's, it's not an overly complex thing. So I think that I would do that. I would find somebody that has run the 3-2-6, either um, at Baylor when Matt Rule was there, um, or Iowa State under the John Haycock tree. Even somebody that is, they brought in a cornerbacks coach that has done the 3-2-6. Find somebody from that Barry Odom tree and bring him in as well because they do some interesting stuff with that three-safety defense. It's, it's, it's interesting. And when you look at it, it's four safeties on defense. You have two deep and you have two box. And the idea is you mix them all up to where they can all play certain positions because then you can't get a read on how they line up, what they're doing. If the free safety and strong safety playing back deep is up at the line of scrimmage, they can assume they're in coverage because they are. But if all those guys rotate, it is really hard for a quarterback to get a beat on it. And also... Throwing the ball, whatever you're doing, it's a light box defense. So if you're an offense that goes up and counts numbers, which is still prevalent in college football, I mean, that's what they do. But they just go up there and count numbers. It looks like there's a four-man box, but in reality, there's eight people playing the run in that run fit. And not really understanding that, this isn't NFL football. First of all, Get that in your head. This is not NFL football. There is a situation where this defense uses the offense's rules that have been in there in place for 100 years against them. For instance, if the quarterback runs out right, the middle linebacker blitzes, vacating their hole in the zone. Why would you do that? Why would you leave that wide open swath in the middle of the defense? It's because the rule says do not throw back across your body and coaches have drilled into their quarterbacks not to do it. So it's safe not to do it. There's not a Patrick Mahomes. There's not somebody that can really hurt you doing that even though the middle of the field is open. Arkansas completely shut down Zach Calzada and Texas A&M by vacating the middle of the field. Just force him out of the pocket, vacate the middle of the field. That was their whole scheme. And that's what they did. So... That's probably the next step in offensive rules is basically throwing the ball back across the middle of the field because that is vacated. When I, so when I say the defense is using the offense's rules against them, that's what I mean. So this is the time of the year when I'm pretty much giving up on all my New Year's resolutions. Well, not this year. This year I'm sticking to my resolutions to eat right, thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of the Built Bar's best-tasting bars. Puffs are the first-ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy. 
They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. Yummy cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. Mmm, so good. These are going to be your new favorite. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, Puffs included. 100% real chocolate. So that's low calorie, high protein. Replace your candy bars with these. They're better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. So... Several new player flavors are available, like mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and this new new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They're all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. If they think a flavor might be good, they'll make it. It'll be delicious, and it'll be good for you. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They want to make it delicious first, and then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off every single time. So go to Built Bar. Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome back. This is going to be our perspective segment of the broadcast with Tom Vanderford right here talking all things Ole Miss sports. Again, thanks for making the Locked on Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Tom, um, today, obviously, they all heard about me and they heard my reasons of why Chris Kiffin went back to the NFL. What's your opinion on the Chris Kiffin situation? I haven't had really had time to digest it. Um, I don't know for sure. I, I'm, it doesn't worry me about Lane whatsoever. No. But, you know, they're in a professional business, and, and maybe he got a great offer. Uh, so, it uh, looks like we've got another opening, and I'm sure, I'm sure Lane will fill it with somebody good. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's proven he can hire. And like I said earlier in the show, um, Chris Kiffin going to the pro is nothing but an indictment of what modern day recruiting has become as far as part of the job responsibility. And exactly. once, once you True. see the other side to where you just get to coach football, it is hard right. to put yourself through that grind to where you're yeah. cold calling 15 year olds on the regular, even though Chris Kiffin might've been good for it, but it's a young man's game. Now people coming up to the NFL, not really coming down from the NFL. That's, that's just my, I, I, yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. He, uh, well, and also, you know, we've got to remember there's history there with the NCAA with that. I think it was a two year show cause. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, I don't think that affected his, his decision at all. But I think one positive for it is that whatever microscope, uh, even though all that's legal now, uh, that was going to be put on our program, you know, for that's gone. You know, I, I, I love, for example, I love Barney Farrow. He's from Alcorn County. He, you know, he, he went to Casu High School. Yeah, but, I know uh, Barney well. I sat lot, beside him many days. A, <laughs> yep, and, and he's a great guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, my personal opinion, uh, he, took a, he, he took a fall. 
mm-hmm. uh, for something, and uh, he's a good guy, and I'd love to have him back. But you know, I, I could understand if the university didn't, you know, was was cautious about stuff like that. Uh, yeah. He he's a wonderful guy. He's a the nicest guy you ever meet. Romero Miller told me one time. He said Barney almost talked me in to making a visit to Rice when he was at Rice. You know, and and with Roe, if you remember, it was down between us and Alabama. So just him making a visit to Rice, which at that time was a doormat, uh, that speaks speaks high praise of Barney. But yeah, I, how about, how about, I think you're right. Yeah, how about this? Um, just get this thought in your head while I'm uh, rambling on um, for just a second. But which player recruited from that era, like the 96-97 recruiting class, was the most important? The one that kind of turned Ole Miss around? Because those are the two classes where Ole Miss kind of became, went from what it was to what it is. Now we're trying to take the next step, but to get there, which recruit was um, most important for that? So just think about that for a second. Now, the important thing to remember with Chris Kiffin, there's a lot of fans that always try to think backwards. They try to do something again. I mean, we even hired John Vaught again. You know, he came back as an interim capacity in like 73. So they always want to go backwards. And it rarely, if ever, works going backwards. It's not going to do what you expect it's going to do. The magic isn't going to come back. It's going to be a different situation. And Chris Kiffin is just another example of that happening. Now, yeah, Fred in my McGriff too. Yeah, or Wesley McGriff, not the or crime Wesley. Dog. I'm sorry, Wesley <laughs> McGriff from the same man. I've had a long day. Wesley yeah. McGriff from the same time. You know, uh, he did wonders in that first class for mm-hmm. uh, for Hugh Freeze, and uh, we brought him back. Thought he would have some answers, and it, it just didn't work out. Yeah, it just never really works out that way. Whenever you break up, there is no getting back together with your ex and recreating that magic that was so special the first time. It just doesn't happen. Um, But one of the theories I have, and this is just me thinking, just my opinion, I have heard nothing, that Chris Kiffin, when he got here, he got here with the expectation that he might have been maybe the number one in the co-defensive coordinator room. And when he got here, he saw that Chris Parcher was that. that. They were running the 3-2-6 system. Chris Kiffin is a primarily four-man front guy and saw that maybe he was the next in line and wasn't really willing to wait his turn. I do not know if that's true. That's one of the dots that is just plausibly connected in my head when this happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's possible. That's po- I don't think we'll ever know for sure. No. Uh, but, but I think, you know, I – uh, money's a big motivator, and not having to recruit's a big motivator. I mean, yeah. like you said, when you get older, it, it, college football recruiting's a big deal. It's 24-7, You know, as soon as you close on one class, you're working on the other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that's, that, it's a lot of work. Um, yeah. And in the NFL, you've got professionals that you're coaching. Uh, it's just a totally different mindset, you know? So... That, that Char- may be Charlie, part of it. Charlie Weiss Jr. was born about the time I started college. It's a yeah, young oh, man's yeah, game. Yeah, he's a, he's a kid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's a kid. And like you said, it's a young man's game, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, uh, a lot of those guys are very young on his staff. A lot of the ones mm-hmm. that left were very young. I think he's doing um, that intentionally. 
because this I is such is, yeah, yeah, the landscape in recruiting has changed. The on-field coaches, it's not they don't have to be X's and O savants anymore. You don't have to have a well-balanced coach. You can go out and hire eight to ten recruiters. Um, and then you put your X and O's guys as analysts yep. in the back room. They don't yep. have to recruit or do anything. And then you just mm-hmm. figure out a way to mesh that. And 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 that that is the really the new norm when it comes to college football. I, I completely agree. Mm-hmm. I, I completely agree. For anybody except like, you know, even Alabama does it. Yeah. They just do it in reverse order. A lot of their coaches are older, like Bill O'Brien. Uh, and they have wonderful young people that are – in those administrative roles. And some, some of them are GAs and assistants and, you know, Hey, they get it. These kids, they've got to talk this kid's language, you know? Um, but getting back to what you asked me earlier. Okay. Uh, for me, it's really easy. I mean, you had, you had Kenyatta Lucas, you had, you had, uh, Romero Miller, you had Deuce McAllister, uh, you had, uh, big Terrence Metcalf. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it would have to be Deuce McAllister for me. Okay. If my opinion, yeah. the most important player to Ole Miss's sign before Eli, whenever we sw- kind of made that jump after the first probation, was Rufus French. I don't think you get Romero. Oh, gosh, I don't. Yeah. I yeah. don't think you get Deuce. I don't think um, t- you get Terrence without Rufus French. I think he is at a tight end, the most important recruit Ole Miss's signed um, in the nineties. Essentially, leading I up agree. to the Eli eyes and all that. Yeah, I don't think yeah. any of that yeah, happens a, without. He's all American. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's all American. If he didn't get hurt, he would have had a long NFL career. But unfortunately, yeah. got hurt. Decided to leave early. Probably some bad advice. Yeah. He could have stayed back and rehabbed and probably had a long career. But you know, unfortunately, um, a lot of times maybe the people that are in your ear when you're in that position uh, aren't always having your best interest or looking into the future uh long enough you know we've had we've had guys that don't miss before they they just leave a year early yeah in Um, the age of nil i don't think that is going to be as prevalent because before you were trying to get through college as quickly as possible to get to the money now the money's in college so yeah there's a little bit money yeah there's no need for the overly pressure i mean unless you're a first round pick with first round money, I mean, you're going to be making okay money, but not a whole bunch until the second contract. So I think the NIL is is going to make the advice situation and the uncles um, a thing of the past when it comes to college sports, because they're going to start getting paid and you're going to start to see, you're going to start seeing what they used to do in college athletics happening in high school athletics. Now, that's going to be a problem down the road. That's going to be an unintended consequence of people telling 16-year-old kids and using them for money to get to college. That's going to happen, and that's, oh, yeah. that's yeah, that's just the way it is. Also, everybody being so reactive about NIL, and that's exactly what they're doing. They're being reactive. NIL is not a problem. Mm-hmm. There is no problem with NIL. It doesn't need to be regulated. Everybody's just reacting to it because right now it's like somebody cut on the fire hose. The market is going to correct it. We haven't even gotten to the point where Ole Miss's Loyalty Foundation and the Ole Miss NIL groups are competing for the same barrel of money. Whenever that happens, NIL is going to go down, you know, and capital campaigns and everything's going to go down. But there's this is not extra money. This is not extra money. If you give $10,000 to the school, 
you, you're not going to give $20,000 now all of a sudden because there's NIL. You're going to give $10,000. It's just going to be five and five. Yeah, I, I completely agree. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm one of those people that believes in an unfettered free market. Mm-hmm. And as long as NIL is is unfettered free market, I think it will regulate itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, you know, it's going to be interesting. You know, you talk about the NIL, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of deal Arch Manning signs wherever he goes. Good you know, and Can people you imagine have to understand. You just don't, oh, yeah. And you getting just don't. Getting NIL in Mississippi. You, Good grief. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and what a lot of people don't understand, you can sign NIL deals like uh, like Matt Corral did with with trading card companies mm-hmm. or Nike. I mean, who's mm-hmm. you know, would a Manning sign an NIL deal with Nike? Yeah. yeah can I, he do I, it and go to Ole Miss? Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, um, so. He has all this money to make nationally with Nike or Adidas yeah. or whatever's going on. But yeah. he also, inside the state of Mississippi, Little mom and pop places are going to line up oh, yeah. so that Archie oh, yeah. Manning's grandson yeah. can hawk their gear. I mean, you have no idea how much money there, there's going to be. Essentially, an Arch Manning NIL collective where businesses line exactly. up to get this kid. Yeah, if he comes to Ole Miss, that's an insane amount of money and more than he can make anywhere else, including Texas. I, agree. I don't think I don't I think people realize we're ate that. up with the Mannings. Yeah. yeah, I hope he realizes that too. I. And also, you know, it's name, image, likeness. So he could, mm-hmm. he could, you know, he could have through some type of NIL group, you know, I could buy a an autographed picture of him for mm-hmm. whatever the price, $500, it's all legal. Yeah, and think about so, this. The school can set up an NIL deal where they sell um, jerseys with the name on the back. Do you think a number yeah. 16 Ole Miss jersey with Manning on it would sell over the next couple of years? I would buy five or six tomorrow if, <laughs> if he came. I would, I, you know, I, my grandkids, my kids, mm-hmm. everybody would be wearing one. Yeah, it, um, yeah. I, don't, I don't. I don't think. I think people look at everything within a vacuum. It's like Texas A and M and Texas have more resources than Ole Miss. So on every kid, uh, they're going to have more resources than Ole Miss, and that's just not the case with the Manning. We, we've proven no, over. Not. Yeah, we've proven over and over when Eli was here. He spent hours answering letters. Like, I couldn't believe they sent letters in 2000 to UMA, but they did that. And this is a whole nother deal. Eli um, getting retired last year, he was a big deal. He's the GOAT with Ole Miss, by the way. That's my opinion. He's the best that's ever played here. Um, Now, Arch needs to decide whether or not he wants to try to take Eli down, just like Eli did his dad. Um, But... I mean, there's an obvious first family of football with this school. Oh, I completely agree. I completely agree. And, uh, yeah, I, personally, I, I think that uh, if he goes with his heart, he'll be a rebel. Yeah. I really yeah, do. It, yeah, I tell everybody all the time, everybody asks me, what do you think about Arch Manning and everything? And I was like, until he signs with somebody other than Ole Miss, I'm going to assume he's going to sign with Ole Miss. Now, and that's just because his recruitment looks so much like Eli's to this point. It's absolutely crazy. Right down to the fact that Eli just wasn't talking and neither is Arch. And it's the same thing. And it, I, I, that's that's the feeling I'm getting right now. And I think at the end it's going to be an Ole Miss-Georgia um, competition. And Georgia winning the national championship is probably going to hurt them in that recruiting. Because when he was the so missing – Yeah, when he was the missing piece – and Arch could have led Georgia to glory, that's different than yeah. when a walk-on can do it. 
So exactly. So exactly, well, and then he's got to look at he's got to look at the fact that they at Georgia they traditionally had higher ranked quarterbacks mm. that have done better in the NFL that have sat on the bench and had to transfer. Mm. Uh, that's one thing I look at. You know, yeah. uh, the, the lowest rated quarterback this year that they had was Stetson Bennett. Now I love the kid; he did a great job, but he was you know he was a two star walk on. He went to Jones Junior College and was a three-star walk-on, finally earned a scholarship. I mean, it's a great story. But uh, but it ain't good I for was, developing was, kids for the pros. No. <laughs> and if I was Arch, I would think of this. You know, everybody talks about Cutcliffe and, and them trying to get Cut, Cutcliffe at Texas and all mm. this other stuff. And all I can keep thinking of is Blake Sims. Mm. If, if Lane Kiffin can make Blake Sims a wonderful quarterback, uh, I think he can do wonders for Arch. Everybody points to Blake Sims, but I'm more impressed with what he did with Jake Coker. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, that was great. Coker, that quarterback situation yeah. was a problem, and Lane just figured that out. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, real mean, quick before we – back and beat us. Yeah, real quick before we go, uh, we're almost out of time. Sure. Who, who do you have for the Super Bowl? Uh, heart says Bengals, head says Rams, just because yeah. they've got the home field advantage. I worry about the Bengals offensive line, but uh, Joe Burrow being basically undefeated in games that matter in college and pros. Oh, yeah. It, it, yeah. it just makes me wonder if he has that special magic. He. He could be a combination of Tom Brady and Drew Brees, and we're just seeing the beginning of it. He's a quarterback savant. I mean, yeah. he's unbelievable. He's like a machine. Yeah, I saw him yeah. in 2019, the 2019 Ole Miss LSU game. That was um, yeah. Um, saw that game in person and watched what happened. And yeah. that, man, that dude is just so impressive. Yeah, I was really, there as just well. A, I, yeah. I was. Yeah. Yeah, it was he's just unbelievable. Like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody came out of that talking about John Rice Palmley, but that was just a workmanlike performance by Joe Burrow, and they put up 59 points. Like, it wasn't any, oh, anything yeah. special. It was amazing. Yeah. He ate us up. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thanks for making the Lockdown Ole Miss first podcast your first listen every day. We're live on all platforms, including YouTube. Hit subscribe, hit the bell, and give us an update vote on the video. Um, we're going to come back and talk about the defense next week. We were going to start today, but the Chris Kiffin stuff um, hopped in, so we talked about that today. So now make your second listen, your Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Thank you very much, Tom, for coming by. We'll catch up with you next week. How about that? Yep, sounds great, man. Have a good one. Hotty toddy. Hotty toddy. Have a good weekend, everybody. Enjoy the Super Bowl.